I was in prison, and you came to visit me. With these words, Christ challenges each of us to spend time serving those who, because of circumstance or bad choices, can't serve themselves. Welcome to Someone Cares, a faith ministry dedicated to helping us all answer that challenge. For many years, this outreach program has carried healing doses of hope and Christian love behind prison walls and touched the lives of those in desperate need of both. I'm your Someone Cares radio host, Charles Mills. You all know those bad dudes you read about or see portrayed on TV and movie screens? Well, they're real. They exist. I know this because we've got one of them on our show today. But here's something you may not know. They can be changed by the power of love and the leading of the Holy Spirit. No one knows this better than Edmundo Ramirez, an ex-mob member whose life was anything but tranquil and law-abiding. But God found him in prison and released him in more ways than one. He chronicled his journey from darkness to light in his book, Bound by Blood. Here to share his heart with us is the man himself, Edmundo Ramirez. Welcome to Someone Cares. Good morning. First, a little history. How did your journey into darkness begin? Give us a little bit of Edmundo, the early years. Well, I grew up in the northeast part of Los Angeles. I had two Catholic grandmothers who prayed a lot. My my family was Catholic background. Mm-hmm. And here in Glassell Park, I started going to an elementary school, and it was gang-infested. Mm. And so the peer pressure, and even at home, uh, my father, he is a World War II veteran. He was in the Navy, uh-huh. and he also uh, suffered from post-traumatic stress. He was an alcoholic, so he was abusive. And so in this peer pressure, going to this school, uh, we would go down into the basement, and there... We would fight each other. They would pit us up against each other and, and jump us into the gang. And then and then later on tell us, hey, we got to break it up. we got to break up the gang and then go down there and fight again and, and go and get in and out of the gang. Called ourselves the Baby Avenues. Now, did you say this was elementary school? Yes, it was elementary school. It was probably oh. like second or third grade. Are you and, kidding um, me? Wow. My father, from, from the, the kind of abuse at home and... and one of my brothers, a lot of peer pressure from my brother, who was also a gang member, and um, just started going into more and more into the gang. But in my heart, I felt like I was a good kid, but it was just everything around me that was so chaotic. And then trying to impress my brother and trying to looking up to him and, and what he was doing, that's what led me more and more into the gang, into the darkness of the neighborhood, and then eventually to drinking and using drugs myself. Now, in Mundo, you mentioned that you had praying and church-attending members of your family. Where was religion when this was happening? Why didn't it come to your rescue? You know, we we would go to church, and I remember being in our church and looking at the wall, and they had statues. It was a Catholic church. They had statues of the crucifixion, the road to the cross. And I always wondered, why are they doing that to that man? What, are they, what did he do that they would do that to him? And I wondered, who is that man? But although I grew up in church, I was never introduced into a personal relationship with Jesus or even taught much about God. 
Mm. You know, they say that we all have a God-sized space in our heart, but apparently there are other things that will fit into that space, such as peer pressure and gangs and whatnot. Are you saying that? Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, so here you are out of elementary school, and then you get into a little bit older, and you get into the drugs, and and, um, I'm sure there's other things that we don't need to go into detail here that you were involved with. As religion and your childhood faded from view, what took its place? What became the central theme of your life during those early years? During those early years, what took over was was the drugs and the alcohol Mm -hmm. and the the reputation trying to become like the gang member that everybody looked up to. I used to look up to other guys that would talk about all the drama that they did while they were gang members and, and out there getting in fights with other neighborhoods and and shooting up other neighborhoods. And then I would look up to them and think, man, I want to be like that. And then looking up to the guys that just got out of prison and all the stories that I heard, you know. And as the years went by, I just started getting more and more violent and um, ended up picking up a, a murder beef and went to the county jail. In the county jail, it was, it was real brutal. Yeah. I never realized... You know, yeah, I was a gang member. I was from a neighborhood. I was representing the the gang. But I never realized how brutal it could be behind bars, especially L.A. County Jail. They say you could survive in L.A. County Jail. You could survive anywhere. Wow. Well, Edmundo, why is it that violence is the language of choice? Why can't people just sit down and talk to each other? Why can't they reason together? Why can't they have sort of a a little get-together and just uh, discuss this thing out and take care of the differences without picking up something sharp or blunt or or, or jagged and going at each other? Why? Because in the prison, it's it's all about respect. Mm -hmm. You have to earn respect. Mm -hmm. If you get challenged, you have to stand up and you have to you have to fight if not you don't have respect and respect is everything i know that it's probably even a cultural thing like different cultures have different styles right, right. and so when you encounter a different style a different culture and you don't know how to like deal with it so that's the way you deal with it we used to get in fights over the tv set over mm-hmm. what we're going to watch on tv something as simple as that would kick off a riot Somebody on the phone too long, it would kick off a fight because a different ethnic group was taking over the telephone or was trying to take over the TV. But you had to stand up against that, you know? Yeah. And so in there, you had to stick to your own. It didn't matter. Even if it was a gang that you totally hated on the streets, in there, they were your best friend. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds like you're saying that violence was like the universal language. Everybody could speak that language, right? Right. Okay. All right. So here we are in this very violent place. You're in prison. Why on earth don't the guards step in? Why doesn't the prison hierarchy, why doesn't the prison system protect you from each other? What's going on there? Well, that's kind of a hard one. The prison guards, while I was in prison and I was in Folsom Prison, and at that time, there was a, a racial war going on between the Mexicans and the blacks. Mm-hmm. And um, during the 80s, California exploded with prisons, Yes, yes. building prisons. And you could see that the violence that was happening in Folsom and San Quentin at that time, it was the guards kidding the inmates against each other. Really? Those California prisons were built on the blood and the back of the inmates. They had a 
integrate, and through integrating, it will start fights between the different ethnic sure. groups. And then they had to segregate, which they put the inmates with their own kind, and then they turn on each other. Well, for heaven's sakes. All right, Edmundo Romero. So we have people either fighting with others from other societies or cultures or races, or we have them fighting among themselves. It just sounds like fighting is what everybody wanted to do. Was that because no one ever taught them how to communicate other than with your fists or with a knife or some blunt object? Well, uh, you do have a lot of educated men there. Yeah. Uh, very educated. But... Um, Unfortunately, in prison, that's that's the way you you handle okay. your your okay. business. Okay, you have to put steel in somebody, or you're not looked at with respect. So here you are in prison, the result of uh, violent childhood and violent youthhood and and uh, a murder rap and whatnot. And here you are in prison. How on earth did God find you? I had a homeboy. His name is Pete Reese. He's one of the guys from my neighborhood called the Avenues that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. My homeboy even got shot in my car. Mm. And so when I was sent to prison, he started going to church. He went into a a rehab home in Victory Outreach, Mm -hmm. and later on I heard he got married, and then I heard that he started his own church, and um, right there in the San Gabriel Valley. And even with everything that he was doing, and as busy as he was being a pastor, he would sit down and write me a letter, and once in a while I would get a letter from him Mm -hmm. telling me about Jesus. And I was sitting in prison thinking, I don't want nothing to do with Jesus, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here getting high, having fun, doing what, I, what you do in prison, doing my time, and uh, trying to make money, trying to get somebody from the streets to find a way to smuggle in drugs to make more money. And uh, I don't want to know about Jesus, but he was persistent and kept writing to me. I paroled, and um, I went to his church, and, and I sat there, and he said, hey, this that's my homeboy Mundo that we've been praying for. Stand up, Mundo. And so I stood up and all the people would look at me and and I would leave. But um, through him is how eventually in 1994, I was sitting in a solitary confinement in a Senala prison. And they had just did a cell extraction on an inmate for uh, gassing an officer. And do it. What did you say that was? What was that? A cell extraction. What's that? That's when the guards the guards go in, they they shoot some tear gas at you, they shoot you with a thirty seven millimeter, and then they go in and they hog tie you. 
and drag you out of your cell to the infirmary. So that's called the cell extraction. So they had cell extracted, and gassing is when, you know, the inmate throws feces on the officer or something for some reason, you know. And so I'm sitting there and thinking, man, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in prison. There has to be a way out. And um, I asked the guard for a book, and he brought me a Bible. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about Pete and the God that he serves. And I said, you know what, God, I'm going to read your word. And if through your word you show me Jesus, I'll give my life to you. And I started reading, and by the time I was done, I, I fell to my knees, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and that was in 1994. My, we're talking with Edmundo Ramirez. He is the author of the book Bound by Blood, his story from the mob to the master, he says, according to his book. And, uh, you know, we've covered now, Edmundo, those early years and the transformation that took place in jail, in prison. And I want to pick this story right up where we're leaving it off on our next program. Would you mind coming back and talking to us some more? I'd love to. Okay, very good. So we're going to talk a little bit more with Edmundo about this on the next program. You won't want to miss that because what came next after Christ found Edmundo Ramirez in prison and entered his heart? Chapter 2. Chapter 2 began shortly thereafter, and we're going to find out what happened to Edmundo and what he is doing today to honor the Christ who found him in prison on our next program. Until then, this is Charles Mills along with Edmundo Ramirez reminding you that someone cares. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Someone Cares. If you'd like to become part of this vital prison outreach ministry, visit someonecares.org and discover ways you can safely and effectively touch the lives of incarcerated men and women with God's love. Again, that web address is someonecares.org. This program was produced by Life Talk Radio. Music